with me are my friends Matthew Dawkins. Hello. And Dixie Cochran. Are we friends now? Do I have friends? <laughs> wow, this is awkward. <laughs> I thought you were just colleagues. I thought I I thought you just barely put up with us, Eddie. I, I, I barely put up with a lot of my friends. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. We are we are the Eddie Webb definition of friends. Got it, got it, got it. <laughs> Welcome to introversion. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so this week we do have a topic, but before we inevitably not do that topic, I'm just going to skip you could You could have jumped straight into it there. You had a golden I, opportunity. I, I could have, I could have, but, but it's tradition now that, that, you know, we, we, we digress slightly. The last two episodes have been entire digressions. We just digressed <laughs> for an hour. They were very good ones though. They were good. Yeah, they actually were pretty good episodes. Right? So, I mean, I'm, I don't want to mess what works, but you were saying, Matthew. So, out of interest, now that we're your friends, uh, I don't remember signing up for this upgrade. And I want to know, is it going to cost me more money than my previous relationship with you? Um, what was I charging you before? Too much. Well, then definitely too much, yes. <laughs> I mean, because friendship is a higher tier. I mean, you know, if, if you back the Patreon at the higher levels, you do get more rewards. Ah, so this is a Patreon thing. It's not like a WWE thing. It's a time for obligatory wrestling discussion. <laughs> oh, God. Because recently, we need a... Like a newsbeat thing. News ticker, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because recently, the WWE, a wrestling organization some people will be aware of, let go a great quantity of its talent. Uh, it does this periodically, uh, very peri- very regularly, in fact, uh, mm-hmm. in recent years, and uh, hasn't cited any reasons, really. Uh, Never does. Uh, really. But does, uh, does cite record profits. Now, mm-hmm. one of its former performers, a man by the name of Brian Danielson, used to perform under the name of Daniel Bryan at the WWE because Vince McMahon likes to rename everything so that he owns the copyright or trademark, um, he said that if a company can terminate you, uh, basically with three months' notice, let's say, mm-hmm. then you should not be fixed into a contract where you have to, where you basically can't leave. You should be able to give them three months' notice. Right. Because yeah. currently contracts at the WWE are, you just can't leave. You're stuck in a non-compete clause that runs the entire duration of your contract. So if you did decide to leave in month sixth of a two-year uh, contract, you won't be able to compete anywhere else for the next year and a half. Yep. Um, so my question to you, Eddie, is is this how our contract works? Uh, do you get to just uh, get rid of me, or uh, can, <laughs> I, can I walk with... <laughs> No, I, I mean, re- like, I, if if you really feel like halfway through our contract that you need to see other friends, then you know, I, 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 I'll, I mean, there'll be a severance that we'll have to discuss. But otherwise, yes, you can go ahead and leave the, early. That I have to pay to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, I mean, any compensation for the missing friend time they're not getting anymore. <laughs> but you weren't making money in that friend time from me. So not what all, am I? Not all profit is money. Sometimes, you know, I no longer have the pleasure of your company. I no longer get access to your wrestling knowledge. There's all sorts of benefits that my company gets. I mean, my person gets that <laughs> I won't have anymore. I like the wrestling knowledge is like tier two of the, of what I bring to the- <laughs> this relationship. <laughs> <laughs> There are other things that they're, they're in the and more section of the contract. Just yeah, none of it to do with role playing games. I mean, God forbid the reason for our being here today <laughs> recording. Well, those are those are different contracts we signed with a different person, and and, and not to be friends. Yeah, I so, mean, although I, I do own the whole friends. RPG industry, so I mean, you know. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. True, 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 true. Yeah. Mm, so I'm screwed either way. <laughs> There's no way you can go. <laughs> Um, I'll start my own RPG industry. Well, <laughs> while you're setting up your own RPG industry, we should talk about some of the work we've done in the past, recently. The recent uh, past. Recent past. Not that not, uh, not that we've done in the past recently, and that we've not gone to the past to do work <laughs> and then come back. It's work that we've done in the recent past. It's, it's Nice there. Mummy the Curse reference, though. Yeah, do you so own a DeLorean? Uh, well, now no. you can, due to our sponsors. <laughs> DeLorean Industries. No, but I did play Chrononauts this past weekend, which is about time travel and messing oh, with history. Any good? So. 
it's like uh yeah yeah it's a really fun card game um it's one of those card games that takes like you know 30 to 45 minutes or so for a complete pl- uh playthrough but it's that's different a good, every that's time a good time limit yeah, 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 I thought yeah, you were yeah. going to say set up, and I was getting worried. <laughs> no, 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 no. It takes like two seconds to set up once you have the cards in order. Um, but then like once once you figure out how to play, it, it's, it's really, really quick. And it's different every time because you're playing as different quote-unquote characters and that you get these little like ID cards that have different missions on them and stuff. So mm. nice. it's fun. It's like it's a kind of silly, but also based in actual history game. Although now we have found out there is a Back to the Future and a Star Trek version. Oh, so no. we will be acquiring the Star Trek version ASAP. Nice. So that we can fuck with the Star Trek timeline. That sounds actually that sounds actually really fun. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. Like you are um the conceit is that you are a time traveler. You have shown up in this timeline, which is literally the like actual Earth timeline or the actual Star Trek timeline, right? But it's not your timeline. Mm, yeah. It's wrong. And so to get back to your timeline, you have to change it. Um, so like in the version we were playing, which is like mostly US history from like 1770 to 2008, mm-hmm. you, you will do things like, you know, prevent Lincoln from being assassinated, which will have ripple effects to other things. Mm. And if you get more than a certain amount of paradox cards, because you like flip some of the cards over and it's paradox until you patch it with a new event. Um, if, if you get too many paradox cards, the universe explodes. So you're, all, you're, you're constantly trying to flip certain events and then patch Paradox where it's like, okay, like since this didn't happen, we need to patch it with something else that that, that could have happened. Um, so oh. that we can still try to get home. It is pretty cool. So 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 you, you, you can't just put any event down. It has to be something that, that is a, a ostensibly logical extrapolation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are, there are all of the dates match up. So you can mm-hmm. only put like an 1838 card on an eight, the 1838 Paradox. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there are multiple patches for each one. Because um, sometimes it'll be like, you know, oh, like, a, a, a new world war happened, or there was peace among nations, or X happened, or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And you can put down different patches depending on what you're trying to do. Nice. It's a really cool little game. Nice. Yeah, I, yeah. I have played it before. I, I'm interested in the Star Trek one, but I'm not being a Trekkie. Uh, I can still say that I think Star Trek is a rare show where I've enjoyed, I think, every one of those time travel gimmick episodes that they've done. You know, they, they, Star Trek is a show that likes to mm-hmm. play with time travel about once, ma- maximum twice a series, not just a season. Yeah. And, Except for Voyager. Voyager love time travel. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, uh, you know, whenever they did one of those gimmick episodes, like right. uh, Deep Space right. Nine had the one with the Tribbles, didn't it? Oh, that was so And good. if I recall, I think even uh, Enterprise had one, and I thought that was good, and I wasn't a massive fan of Enterprise. Uh, I'm sure there are some people who were. And, yeah, they, they always seem to handle it. And maybe it was because in, uh, in Next Gen... Deep Space Nine and Enterprise, it was sparingly. It actually felt like a treat when you did get to go back in time or jump ahead because Q is uh, fucking with you in some way. Right. That was mm-hmm. it was a it was a nice little twist that they didn't linger on for longer than an episode or a two episode arc, which which is always good. It's not too indulgent. Yeah, yeah. See, so like like we were looking through the uh, the like card list because you can find it online for the Star Trek Chrono Trek, as it's called. Mm-hmm. And it, it'll it be stuff like, you know, actually in 2063, the first warp drive flight happened. But if you flip it, then the Cochrane flight fails. Mm. And so then what 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 does that, you know, ripple on to? Hmm. Um, instead of Captain Archer being cured of amnesia, Captain Archer is infected by brain parasites. Ew. Yeah, uh, no instead of annihilating that. the Tribble homeworld, we have purchased it. Uh, <laughs> that's not going to go well for our alliance with the Klingons in uh, yeah. future generations. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, instead of Voyager evading the Borg, they stole the Borg technology. Instead of Voyager <laughs> getting stranded, they stayed home. You huh. know? All kinds of shit could happen. And also, instead of playing as random people in this, the cards you get to play as are like, you know, Kirk, Khan, Tashiar, Worf, Spock, Data, Quark, whatever. Nice. Uh, Harry so- Kim. Yeah. Oh, so of course. So of course, Q is going to have a different mission from Jean Luc Picard. Sure. Yeah. And Cisco will have a different mission from you know Cyrano Jones. 
Um, also, younger Janeway and older Janeway will have different missions, probably. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So they have it's 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 fun. Some of the artifacts include like tribbles and Data's head, you know, <laughs> random shit. I will uh, I will revisit this after we acquire the game and play it. Yes, please let please update us. Let us know. I will. Speaking of things you can acquire. Um, today we're going to talk about some of the releases we've had recently. We're doing kind of a <laughs> release roundup. They're laughing because we've been trying to do this for weeks now. Um, but uh, kind of a release roundup of uh, the various things that come out, kind of just highlighting some things because we put out a lot of books, and sometimes it's like, oh, we we talk a lot about some of the, the bigger stuff, um, and we'll touch on those again real quick. But I mean, also sometimes you know, little things just kind of fly under the radar. So we're kind of just touching back and saying, hey, here's some of the things we worked on, and. Since we're talking about time travel, um, Mummy 2E went out into the world recently. It did, didn't it? Yeah, you, you should talk about that. Cool. What to <laughs> say? That hasn't been said timeless times before. Well, just go uh, back in time and say it again. It's fine. It's funny. Go back in time and say it for the first time right now. So let me pitch you on Mummy the Curse 2nd Edition. <laughs> oh, I am interested in this, Matthew, as a person in charge of Chronicles of Darkness who was just appointed. Well, Dixie, I wonder if you would co-develop it with me. The this <laughs> this book, Mummy, is a book of eternal horror where you are playing uh, eternal creatures that can never die. You are known as Deathless. You exist throughout all time and yet not in a straight line. You build your cults, you wake up from your eternal sleep, and uh, when you wake up, you possess no memories of the well of your life of your the preceding times you've been awake. You wake up with godlike powers and hopefully a cult surrounding you, or maybe other mummies uh, that who are suffering the same amnesia. And you can at this point send forth biblical plagues, rend holes in the ground, bring meteors crashing from the skies against your enemies, the sorts of people who might disturb your tomb, rob from it, or otherwise summon you with necromancy. At that point, you need to discover your purpose, which may be something that you have been summoned for. It may be uh, that the judges, your gods, have set you a divine task. It could be something far more personal. And as the story goes on, you you recover memory, but your power uh, over Sechem, your ability to manipulate reality, to hurl about elemental forces, wanes. So you have one meter going up as another one goes down, essentially. Now, I know I have told that. I've, I've said words to that effect many times to you, dear listeners, but it's been very heartening to see how many people have been enjoying Mummy the Curse 2nd Edition since we released it in PDF and Print on Demand on DriveThruRPG. There's an excellent Where I Read thread or discussion thread regarding Mummy the Curse on RPGNet right now, which if you're interested in Mummy and you're not the kind of person that engages well with videos, actual plays and the like, I really recommend checking it out because the author is going through the book chapter by chapter, well, even section of chapter, sec by section of chapter, and going into it in some detail of what the book contains, how it's usable, coming up with all kinds of interesting ideas and characters for it, and I think it's a really fun way to access the game if you're a bit daunted by its scope. Um, lastly, I'll say that Mummy is a game that you can play at multiple power levels. Despite its name, mm. you can play a game where you are cultists, where all of you are fragile mortal cultists serving the storyteller-controlled uh, mummy, if you want, and that can be all kinds of fun on its own. I've recently started a chronicle like that, which has uh, proven to be quite a lot of fun. There's a bit of humour in there as, vo as well. I think people need that when you're playing fanatical cultists. Yeah, uh, yeah, probably. Because it's, it's horrifying as well, but yeah, it's it's also also quite a bit of fun. And all the way through to playing different immortals like blood bathers, like soul thieves and body thieves, and sorcerers who are manipulating the powers of mummies to aggrandize and hopefully give themselves immortality or godlike powers. So there's loads of different playable options, loads of different antagonists in the book, and loads of different settings you can play in as well. Uh, if you're a fan of Dark Eras for Chronicles of Darkness... This book is perfect for you because Mummy is all about waking up in different times and places and having to find your way around. So it's like college. 
waking up in random <laughs> yes. times and places and trying to find your way around. <laughs> yes, so wondering who these people are. In yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and yeah. <laughs> it's uh yeah very much like that except they're your cultists which would be very disturbing in college if you woke up and uh, you were didn't surrounded have cultists by people. in college <laughs> i never hell? went to college that's the thing i i've really missed out there on forming a i mean especially following. especially over there in england you've got all those weird old colleges <laughs> have the best cults oh yeah yeah there's nothing like that in america um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we still don't have frat houses or sorority houses over here, as far as I'm aware. I think that's a uniquely American experience, thank God. Uh, but yes, anyway, uh, I really recommend Mummy. Of course I do. I'm its developer for second edition, but I think that the writers did a superb job. It's a beautiful book to look at, and it just has haha, endless scope for for running and playing. Uh, across different parts of the world and different power levels, which means, yeah, you can come into it at any point you like. Staying within the Chronicles of Darkness, we will move over to Dixie, and Dixie can talk a little bit about Deviant and maybe also the novella that came out for Deviant. I don't know. Can I Can I talk about that? Uh, no, we Yes, released... I, I give you permission. <laughs> <laughs> we released Deviant and the Renegades. Uh, finally, yay, so excited about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deviant, of course, I talked about it several times. There have been deep dives and also recent interviews with Eric Zawadzki, which you should go back and listen to if you want to know more about it. Yes. Um, but the primary thing is that in Deviant, you have been changed somehow. Think of your your Deadpools of, 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 of the world. Uh, or even your Captain Americas. Uh, you have gone into some kind of program or something has happened to you and you've been changed and now you are fighting back against those who changed you and who will be changing others if you don't stop them. Uh, so it's very much a game of vengeance, which is on the cover. Um, you can be all sorts of things in Deviant. It's probably our most customizable game, as far as slots mm-hmm. go, I would say. Um, in that, you know, you can be everything from what seems like magic powers to radiation to nanites to cyberware to bone implants to, you know, you you can play everything from Professor X to the Hulk in this. Uh it is it is the the spectrum. I know I keep going back to X-Men because that's like the, the best touchstone for me because because all mutants are so different. <laughs> uh, but unlike the allegory that's going on in X-Men, this is more about literally just trying to get back at the people who who made you. Um, as far as the novella goes that came out recently, that is by our very own Joshua Deach, uh, who we also have an interview with in the mm-hmm. past few months here. Um, he's a fantastic writer. He's done some really cool work for us on all kinds of lines. And his novel, Dearly Bleak, is really, really fun. Um, and by fun, I mean terrifying because it's a deviant novella. <laughs> terrifying, but fun. I mean, it is. Josh's work manages to be, you know, wry and creepy and heartfelt kind of all at once, which I really appreciate about mm-hmm. his work. Uh, he, 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 he did that in a Pugmire story where it was creepy yeah. and kind of wry and heartfelt all at once. And I was like, how did you do this for Pugmire? <laughs> He's very good. But yeah, so pick up Deviant if you want to play, you know, like I said, some kind of psychokinetic mutant character being mad about people, someone who can split their body into multiple copies, uh, somebody who can electrify fish and hit people with them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I think in one of the play tests i did somebody played a, a a frail older nun who turned into a giant hulk-like monster which was fun mm-hmm. because nobody expects the nun uh yeah <laughs> yeah so it is it is really really customizable also the de- developer eric is often in the onyx path discord and happy to talk about it um and i am i am happy to see the uh stretch goal books that are coming out for it too because we're going to have more more clades and other things going on. So yeah. Nice. And actually kind of staying in the superheroic vein, um, uh, we've recently put out a jumpstart for Trinitinium Aberrants called The Adventures of Teen Tomorrow, um, which is, it's, it's nice. The jumpstarts are always great because they're not only a nice introduction to each of the games that they are designed for, but also they're a nice way to show you some interesting characters and a full adventure. So uh, they're great for just want to play for a one-shot game or a convention game. They're, they're, they're fantastic for that. 
And this one's fun because uh, it's part of the, these are all playing characters who are part of the Team Tomorrow Academy, um, which is kind of colloquially called Teen Tomorrow. Uh, so you're all uh, teenage superheroes. So again, that kind of X-Men vibe, uh, also a little bit of Teen Titans. Uh, and it's also uh, actually available on Astral Tabletop. So if you get the PDF of it, which is only $1.99 right now, um, you can also get access to play it online. So it's a couple of bucks. You can get full adventure and even play it with your friends online. Uh, so, and it gives you a nice good taste of the, the world of 2028 for Trinity Continuum Aberrants, it, which is a little bit, it, it's it's in our near future. Um, there's definitely vibes of like the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe in terms of how superheroes, which are called Novas, integrate into our world. Uh but also, um, it digs into things like what happens when Novas become celebrities and how does that affect or change the world? What happens if these are characters that can bring substantial change and that change doesn't get, go away at the end of the movie? You know, you know if, if, if you can actually turn the desert into uh, a, you know, a place where you can grow things, you know, how does that impact the world? So th there are some other interesting elements to Aberrants. Uh, and and th this adventure kind of pulled back a little bit, kind of focuses a little more on the superheroic, it's a training mission that goes wrong kind of dynamic. But it gives you a good kind of glance into some of the nuances of the world as well. So definitely the adventure scene tomorrow, if you're interested in Aberrant, it's worth kind of checking out and giving it giving it a glance. Uh, and actually, speaking of smaller things, how um, are you have, doing this? How am I doing what? Just these these perfect little segues. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of, <laughs> I, I years of practice uh, of trying to keep uh, convention panels on, on task. And we are 182 episodes in now, so God, I hope Eddie knows how to do a segue. <laughs> I mean, we say. don't, Dixie and I have rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> 33% is still progress. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, we're talking about little things and, and getting a, a taste of what a game is about. Um, Matthew, you also had uh, They Came From Beyond the Grave jumpstart come out recently. I did, and I've been told it's done very well, which is always good news. Good, good, good. And, uh, yeah, so the Beyond the Grave jumpstart is, as jumpstarts are, a jumpstart, no, a, an introduction. <laughs> well done. To, yeah, thank you. Uh, that's me done. Uh, so They Came From <laughs> Beyond the Grave uh, is our Hammer Horror, Amicus Horror, Roger Corman, basically monster movies and... Uh, horror movies of the 19, late 1960s through to early 1980s is the kind of era snapshot. So a lot of Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, Britt Eklund uh, kind of horror. And uh, it's the second core rulebook in the They Came From series. The Jumpstart is our means to get people into They Came From without having to put money down on the core book. You know, it's a, right. basically a taster. It allows them to see what They Came From is all about, makes the rules nice and condensed, only highlights the very important ones that you need to play. And I think we even managed to get the system work on... Uh, the Beyond the Grave jumpstart down to about four pages. This was the wow. this was you know the, the very basics. The this is how you use your dice. This is how you do skills and attributes. This these are enhancements. Right. These are complications. Cinematics, quips, boom. Uh, anything else is described during the course of the scenario, which is in the jumpstart, the haunting of uh, Abium Manor, I think. Prior, <laughs> prior, prior, right. uh, Priorum Abbey. <laughs> and uh, no, the haunting of Abbey and Prior. And it's a very typical 1970s, lots of nuns with secrets kind of uh, horror story. And uh, not only does it come with complete with the scenario, and it comes with the system that you need to play the game. It also has ready-made characters in there. It has quips you can print out if you so wish, or pull from the back of the book uh, on cards that you can play out at the table, along with the cinematics too. It has antagonists in there, including the devil himself, in all caps, who appears in the core rulebook, along with devil-worshipping nice. nuns and witches and hellhounds. So it's a book that is... It's a very small book. It only costs, I think, and I mean the price may vary, but I believe it's about two dollars ninety nine on Drive Through RPG. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, yeah, we've just finished acquiring a rata for it and making the last changes. So it should be released in print as well, print on demand soon too. But yeah, it's a small book, but it is exactly what you need to run. They came from beyond the grave for a one shot at a convention or just to give you a taster of tone and the kind of content you can expect to see in the rest of the book. I'm really happy with it because Mm -hmm. I think sometimes, uh, and you know, I don't think we're exclusive to this, jump starts can really be quite difficult to formulate because you've got a small page count for it to really be a jump start. Mm -hmm. and you need to know what content exactly to contain to hook potential readers. And I am just really happy with the Beyond the Grave one. I think it does everything I would want uh, out of a jumpstart. So please do check it out. It's it's definitely worth a read and certainly worth $2.99. Absolutely. But if for some reason only one devil's not enough, if perhaps you need more... (laughs) Dixie can talk to us about 100 Devils Night Parade. Jesus Christ. All right. Uh, this is too good. Now, just just to touch back real quick, I do think it's funny, Matthew, that it ended up being the like haunting of Abraham Priory or whatever, because mm-hmm. I think one of my fiction pieces in Murder Lake is called like The Unsettling of Abby or The Haunting of Abby as a person's yes. name. Yes, it is. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. It isn't an oh, no at all. I imagine it's two competing studios that have decided, right? Well, oh, there we, we go. Yeah, we, we both got this name for our story. We're, one of us is going to come out on top, and in truth, neither <laughs> of them will come out on top. Because both of them are terrible. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, so for 100 Devils Night Parade, uh, most folks know that for a while there, we were doing monthly releases for Exalted. Uh, if you don't know, now you do. If you ever go to look at an Exalted thing and you see a, a PDF that's just like two monsters, those were our monthly releases we were doing for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then about a year ago, we decided to, you know, well, we we always knew that we were going to. We finally like cut off the, the monthly releases and put them all into one book. Uh, there literally are 100 uh, antagonists nice. or familiars or what have you for your Exalted game. It's not just antagonists. Um there are a lot of creatures that can be used as lunar spirit shapes or familiars for for other characters. There are some that might not be, you know, entirely antagonistic. And there are some that are things like third circle demons that are probably not very nice. I so yeah, we we we've compiled that. We have released it. We are currently doing the errata as of time of this recording, so it should be out for POD fairly shortly. Um, since we're we're cleaning up the final PDF now. But that is available all over the place, and it is divided very neatly into chapters of like you know beasts and spirits and and demons and creatures and this that and the other, and also just weird shit. Uh, and we're also working on putting out Adversaries of the Righteous, which is the other monthly release we were doing. So we're mm-hmm. gonna have an, another one soon. But we do have Hundred Devils Night Parade. Um, if you if you read the fiction in it, it it literally is about a town where during calibration, which is the um, exalted holiday where all the celestial bodies go away for five days oh um, yeah 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 it's, it's it's called five days darkness it's when the unconquered sun takes a break and they reset everything um and it's also when it's easiest to call demons and things and there is a town that has a parade of devils that's 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 what's on the cover is this actual town having a little parade uh and it's it's, it's very cool because yeah <laughs> Now I just imagine the unconquered sun going, you know, I'm having a no bones day. I'm just going to take it easy on yeah, myself. Yeah, it is. It, it is pretty much Conky's five day no bones day. He just, <laughs> he just fucks off for five days. Uh, it is very funny when you're trying to get artists to set something in calibration. Cause you have to mm-hmm. be like, it's nighttime, but no moon, no stars, like nothing. It's black, right? Black sky. Like everything is torchlight. So yeah. But yeah, wow. no, I am I am super excited about it. The response has been fantastic. And of course, it's always nice to put out more QCs for Exalted. Totally, totally. Although speaking of weird shit, um, Trinity Continuum Under Alien Skies came out a little earlier than the stuff we're talking about. Um, came out kind of in July. Uh, but it's another uh, expansion book, this time for Trinity Continuum Aeon, uh, which is our uh, sci-fi space opera setting. Because uh, we never while aliens are kind of mentioned in there, they weren't really dug into the same level of detail. It's, it's very much a, a human-centric 
space opera setting. So this book allows you to kind of really go into uh, things specifically uh, ones are mentioned like uh, the chromatics and the coalition listeners. Uh, it allows you to go more into about their, their societies, their lives, how to make characters. So you actually can play alien characters. Uh, and then also talks about aliens that are extinct or nearly extinct. Uh, so that some of them maybe are particularly uh, malevolent, like the Doyen and others who are maybe just kind of in the background or used to be a civilization that is long around. You could find their, their ruins and the like. Uh, and you can even make whole new uh, alien species, uh, either as uh, characters to encounter or even just if you really want to kind of kit bash a Wookiee for Aeon, you know, you could probably use these rules to to figure that out. So uh, it, it's a nice little source book of just weird alien stuff that is i think most uh sci-fi settings if if they have aliens on the table at all that really at some point you need to kind of really dig into okay here's where what this is and what that's like uh and since aeon's not quite as uh egalitarian in terms of how aliens are intermixed with humanity like say a star wars or whatnot or even a star trek um but it still does kind of give you a chance to play that. And if you want to bring more of those into uh, the game, into your table under alien skies, is definitely a, a great book to do that with. All I can think of is that don't, don't kit bash a Wookiee would be something that like Han Zolo would say. <laughs> in <a bar>. Don't <laughs> kit bash the Wookiee. Let the Wookiee kit bash. I, I still think that Han Solo can't, he doesn't understand Wookiee. And I don't think I don't <laughs> He's think it up. Yeah, I don't think Chewbacca understands Han Solo. I think it's more I think it's a relationship based on fear. I think <laughs> that when Chewbacca suddenly climbs into the driver's seat, this let let's be honest, Yeti just decides right. to climb up and sit in the pilot seat or co pilot seat. It's not real controls in front of him. <laughs> Would you let a yeti that you can't even that can't communicate with nine tenths of the people on board fly this thing? No, no, I don't think so. I think Chewbacca is there to hit things and growl and appear intimidating, and Han Solo puts up with it, uh, but he sure as shit isn't going to let Chewbacca fly the Millennium Falcon. No, I did. I did read something online that um uh. That uh, Han Solo and uh, Chewbacca are a man and his dog, but everyone gets it backwards. Han is yeah. a dog. I think that's equally as likely, yes. Because <laughs> Han lives shorter than the Wookiee, because, like, you know, Dragon's for hundreds of years. You know, he says stuff that you don't really understand. It's like, oh, he makes strange noises. That's so cute. In Star Wars Legends, some of the stuff that is no longer canon, mm -hmm. uh, Han Solo was actually raised by Wookiees, if I remember correctly. Really? Yeah, there's a Wookiee that like raised him and like taught him Wookiee, but he had trouble like speaking it properly because he's a human or not a human, mm -hmm. he's a Corellian. But and but like right. he couldn't do the growls, so he chose to speak standard instead. Uh, but yeah, he would like save Chewbacca from being killed because he was forever indebted to you know this other Wookiee that raised him. He was nine. I I would have really appreciated a scene where. Chewbacca lets out a very short kind of noise and Han Solo then turns to Luke or Leia and reels off this two minute dialogue of so Chewbacca's saying and then he says <laughs> he says that you need a bunk over there and uh, basically you need to stay out of my food as well he's very protective over my food right. and plus uh, and it just goes on and on I would have liked that and Chewbacca just looking completely nonplussed uh, yeah, lost interest in all of this a long time ago. There was a gag. I, I don't remember which comic was in, but there was a, a Rocket and Groot gag like that, where Groot goes to give a speech and Rocket translate, and Groot goes, "I am Groot," and then Rocket rattles off like five panels of exposition. <laughs> See, I like yeah. that kind of thing. Also, the Wiki language actually has a name. It's called Kishik. No, no that's a planet. It's called like right. Shri Wook, I think, which means like language of the tree people. Listen, nice. I used to read a lot of Star Wars EU stuff. No, no that's no, cool. I do. <laughs> I remember the Trandoshans and Wookiees really hated each other in those old Star Wars Legends books, as they're called now. Bosk, the bounty hunter, was all about Wookiee pelts. And that's why he was a bad lizard man. But um, I quite, what I do quite like is how neither Chewbacca nor Han Solo try to communicate with each other in their 
in in their opposites language you know that they can if they can understand each other they can understand but they don't need to you know they don't need to change their language to be understood so uh Chewbacca speaks in Wookiee that's fine Han Solo speaks in human I guess common <laughs> it's, a, uh, it's uh, excuse me it's standard galactic basic standard oh yeah. of course yes uh, <laughs> and uh, but and yet Chewbacca never responds to anything else someone says in galactic basic standard does he so yeah again I think that's lending more credence to my theory anyway <laughs> anyway that's uh, my digression for the episode <laughs> Now I'm actually looking up. If, oh, apparently Wookiees cannot speak basic because of their strange vocal cords. They can learn to understand mm. them, but they can't actually speak them. I thought I read a comic of a Wookiee who's... Oh, no, wait, no, he was uh, he was cybernetic. That was why. Aha! The cyber Wookiee. Cy- yeah, which sounds like exactly the kind of thing I would draw in my notebook when I was 12 and playing Star Wars. I mean... <laughs> I'm going to play a Wookiee, but he's a cyborg. Been, he's got a blazer in his arm. I played the Star Wars <laughs> MMO quite a bit, and that's really most of it, is being like, oh, it's just it's just everyone's just playing their OCs. Everyone's <laughs> just playing all their fanfics. Got it, got it, got it. And there's something great about that, honestly. It, well, as an example of people kind of mashing their fanfics together, um, I know with the, uh, the Contagion Chronicles come out and we've done some additional build-on products. Um, so, Matthew, maybe we can talk a little bit about the Contagion Player's Guide. Oh, I thought you were going to ask Dixie. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> uh, well, I have I, other stuff for Dixie. <laughs> I edited this book. Uh, I, I, can't, I can't claim any... Oh, it, it, oh, Dixie knows more about it than she could talk about it. Um, well, uh, I, I'm happy to to say what I understand of it. Um, so, uh, obviously, I, I did develop the Contagion Chronicle. The player's guide is what really gets into the mechanical side of crossover. Whereas mm. with... Uh, well, so we did do it to an extent in the Contagion Chronicle core, as it were, where we presented these factions that you could play that each gave kind of equalizing modifiers and uh, negatives and powers to your creatures and uh, your protagonists, and those those powers changed uh, depending on who you happen to be playing as. Now, that was basically introducing a new system to create crossover. In the player's guide, it, exi- it examines existing systems. So it examines everything from glamour to to the blood in Requiem to, um, to, to the powers of utterances and affinities and mummy and so on and so forth, uh, and how these things might affect other creatures from other game lines and how these powers might be accessed by other creatures of other game lines. So it's a real uh, book that appeals, I think, strongly to players who love to get involved in what's often called crunch, uh, and of which you know there's quite no, a lot in that. I in hate the, that term. I hate that term. Uh, well, I, I didn't say what Dixie calls crunch. <laughs> <laughs> what hate Dixie it. calls systems. Uh, there's mechanics and mechanics. Mechan- there you they go. They inform uh, each other. <laughs> Yes, uh, there's a lot of mechanics in that back end of Chronicles of Darkness, and this really opens a door to it so that you can really start examining how one game line affects the other and how, by doing so, the game it doesn't balance itself. Balance is an illusion and all that. But right. it does allow more, I guess, uh, opp- opportunities, a little more openness for play between the different protagonist types in Chronicles of Darkness, because we can now see how a vampire and a sin eater and a created might function together at a mechanical level as well as at a setting level that was introduced in the Contagion Chronicle core. So I I think it's a really nice supplement, but what's more, it exists perfectly well outside of that Contagion bracket. It could just be called... Chronicles of Darkness crossover or crossing over that would be good wouldn't it and it would do <laughs> um it, it would do the job just as well excellent and i sadly i've been struggling for a segue and i lost one i don't have one for this one um uh, but failed. uh i know i know I, I did i had a good run there uh but um w- one of the things that uh, i've actually been kind of Excited about because Exalted. I mean, we've been doing big things like Exalted Essence. You know, um, we've been doing support books like um, Hundred Devils, uh, 
and you know, we also have things coming up that are kind of the this is you know, the next book about Splat. So there's lots of pretty kind of like very clear support books, but yeah. I've always been partial to the kind of odder ones, um, like uh, Heirs of Shogunate, which just came out recently. How is that odd? Um, well, odd in the sense that it's not an obvious. Here's a thing that obvious slot that needs to be filled, right? Um, uh, like there was uh, one I blanking on the name, but there was one that's like primarily about just money, and uh, it was like Jake Golden Jade or something. Yeah, it was like, that, like second edition, I think. Yeah, second edition. Yeah, um, and, and I've always found those like, oh, I didn't know this is a thing I needed. Supplements are always kind of cool, and I think Exalted actually does a really good job of those little kind of, oh, this is a thing that can be useful, and and I feel like Erica's Airs of Shogunite is kind of in that same vein of. Here's something you didn't know you needed, but now that you know that it exists, it's actually extremely cool. Maybe you can talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, that is our companion book for Dragon Blood and What Fire Has Wrought. Um, so obviously, mm. we always, like, after Exalted, the core book for third ended up being so big, um, as did Mage 20 and a few others. Uh, mm -hmm. We kind of reassessed over here at Onyx Path and started doing companion books, <laughs> as opposed to just adding right. things to the original book. Um, so a lot of it is stuff people asked for from previous editions that we just didn't feel needed to be in the main book. Um, we also, of course, that's, that's where we put most of our, uh, fan characters for people that paid to have their, their characters put in the book, either in the art right, or right. in charms, uh, lots and lots and lots of, of charms from the Kickstarter, which is very cool. And then one of the things that I think a lot of people didn't know they needed until they got it was, uh, se secondary schools. For the realm. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you want to play, you know, Magic School Exalted, you you can't. Yes, because I totally want to play Fire Emblem Three Houses now. Exactly, which is pretty much what it is. Uh, there's also some things about the War in the West and the Realm Civil War. Uh, so yeah, we ended up with a lot of stuff in there, which is really cool. A, a, a lot more on Lookshy, uh, a bunch more about the Forest Witches, who are very, very weird and people love them. Um, stuff about out, Outcasts, but really... I. I think that the secondary schools and cadet houses are very, very, like, a thing that people are going like, I didn't know it was going to be very cool, but it is. Uh, yeah, and of course, the covered Airs uh, of Eight is three different uh, backer characters, uh, which, mm. which, which, which is always fun for me when we get to put them yeah. on, on covers. Because how cool would it be to see the character even playing for a while on, on the cover of a book? That's just nifty. No, totally cool. And, and, and I'm looking at it now and it's like, you know, they're, they're, you know, standing there, but they're looking cool. They're putting their hands out and it's, it's, it's a neat looking picture too. So yeah, that's always neat when you, oh, hey, this is my character and I paid money, but now I'm on the cover of the book. I'm a big fan of the person who's exalt fights with a frying pan. Mm -hmm. Like he just got a frying pan hanging off his belt. I'm like, I'm, I'm down. I'm down with that. That, that, that is, that's pretty badass. You would not mess with a person like that. Yeah, exactly. But again, I, I love that area of talking about something that, that maybe wouldn't normally get discussed. Uh, and, and stretch goals are obviously one place where we can kind of do this kind of thing. Oh, hey, you know, this is something people clearly want. So we can, we can have the room to try to put something out there that some people will like and see how well people like it. Uh -huh. But another way we've been doing that is a tasty bit program. I love our tasty bits so much. Because there's definitely been some things where it's like, oh, hey, here's, you know, let's um, expand on this one Trinity uh, society or whatever. Uh, but also there have been some really interesting ones that have been surprising hits. Uh, like one of the ones that came out recently was um, Pets for Aeon. Uh, and when I got the pitch, I was like, that's interesting. I mean, and not even just because, haha, you know, I'm the Pugmire guy, but also it's like, how can you write a lot about that? And, and uh, Lee Shields, who did that, actually did a really cool job because it was, um, it's an area of what, when you live in space and you work in space, what does that relationship look like when you have pets? And so he talks about not only pets, we understand it, but also cybernetic pets and uh, gene, gene engineered pets. You know, pets that you can, you know, like, like say sea monkeys, you put them in a ball when they grow up and, Hey, I have a pet now. Um, all these different ways of, of exploring pets and some, and some other pets as well. But, you know, just our, our humans, we like to have animals with us and we take animals with us when we travel, when we move. That's a, that's a very human instinct. Um, and so it was, it was a surprisingly cool dive into a relatively small topic, which I think is perfect for the Tasty Bits program. And I've seen a number of people really kind of cotton on to the idea that if I wanted to, say, have 
summoning pets in Aberrant, or if I want to just have, you know, a cool attack pet in Trinity Core even, because they're all Trinity, I could just use these rules straight in and, and then they just work. Uh, and, and taste pits are a great place of like, you know, I, you know we talk about, uh, we did one on Le Fontaine and it's like, cool, but you know, I could just drop it into, uh, you know, Aberrant and say, cool, this is now a bunch of fan of thieves in 2028. And what does that look like? You can extract the film and gaps extrapolate, but the fact that you can move the stuff around and, and try it in different spaces and explore unusual topics is, I think, one of the strengths of the Tasty Bit programs. Another good example of this, I think, is when um, Matthew and Rich talked about um, some of the 70s era comic book interpretations of, of Dracula and horror. And that result that came uh, Dracula's Tomb, which Matthew recently put together. So Matthew, talk a little bit about the interesting stuff you did in Dracula's Tomb. Yes. Uh, well, yes, uh, undoubtedly influenced by the Tomb of Dracula and also many of the uh, Dracula movies of the era. Uh, we wanted to put together a tasty bit that could really... Well, not just provide content that we weren't able to put into Beyond the Grave, but really point in a different direction. And in a way, it sounds a bit silly because in some ways, the tasty bits are that they are often lighthearted, they're small, they are products you can choose to use or not. Uh, And I think that's perfectly admirable uh, as a product. Um, And ultimately not what I did with Tomb of Dracula, or Dracula's Tomb, I should say, because uh, (laughs) it provides a completely different playable experience. And I think it's more a symptom of how I go about designing books. Uh, I almost always look at things from the player perspective. And I thought, well, so what, what would a player want out of a Dracula's Tomb book and so there's not only are there vehicle rules in there which we've put in no they came from books uh, that have put in Trinity Uh, there's also lots of rules for gadgets and uh, Mm -hmm. and these gadgets and vehicles can be used in place of tropes I decided I wanted to link these uh, pieces of hardware in so they came from without having to involve the entire sort of wealth and edges system of trinity to justify right. these things you know i did that that's a little too cumbersome to bolt on an entire new system so i thought where do these fit in best and as they came from as a pretty fluid game at the best of times i thought well how about essentially uh, if you if you use a trope, you can buy a vehicle or gadget that has a maximum of three tags attached to it. Those tags can be of of any variety, really, but as long as they're functional. And from that, I was able to start making all kinds of weird and wonderful stuff, uh, like a mobility device that can fire darts and launch a net at people, a garlic net, I think is what it's called. (laughs) Um, Or or having a trusty hound at your side, Doggo, who is especially trained to sniff out the undead. But on top of... Dragon's on top good. of that, Dracula's Tomb has rules for playing vampires. Uh, we played around a little with the Haunted system, as we did with the Encountered system in Beneath the Sea. So Haunted was in Beyond the Grave. But I wanted to add something a little extra to Dracula's Tomb that basically gives persistent conditions uh, to characters who happen to be afflicted with vampirism. I was almost looking at it from an Elder Scrolls perspective uh, of this is a curse that you can alleviate because you can alleviate conditions if you so wish. Um, but if mm. you don't want to, it comes with various benefits and disadvantages from having it. So you have pretty much all of the vampiric um, archetypes with a benefit and a drawback attached in there. So it basically gives you yet another game where you can play as vampires, but this is very much from a gothic (laughs) horror movie style. And when I got to the end of that, and once I turned in, I was thinking, you know what, this is actually quite fun. This is quite workable. This is a really simple system for playing vampires in a story path game. And with all of that said, and there's more in Dracula's Tomb than what I've just gone through, it's a lot. There's a lot of content in there, uh, very neat, very condensed for, a, again, a, an incredibly low price. So it's a way of p- 
playing monsters in They Came From Beyond the Grave. And it's also a way of accessing all these fun gadgets and having new sets to play on and all sorts of fun things. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, uh, kind of riffing off, off, off vehicles and, and, you know, just fun things you could play with. Um, I know, Dixie, you weren't directly involved in this one, but um, something you've, you've mentioned a couple times to me, and I don't know if you're obsessed or, or, or what? bewildered what? by it, what? but the um, Scion car compa- competition. Oh, my God. Tasty bit. <laughs> <laughs> I... I was slightly bewildered by that, mostly because, like, <laughs> I think it just came from we have art in the book of someone throwing a car. And also, like... We have the three different pieces of art people throwing cars. Well, I mean, scions like to throw cars. Uh, and out of that <laughs> came, like, what if they actually had competitions about throwing cars because they do it so often, right? Uh, mm-hmm, right, so, clearly. And so there's a, there's a car competition, so you can... And and, and, and also, there is a whole, like, ad, adventure happening in that tasty mm-hmm. bit. So it is mostly an adventure, but also explains how to throw, like how to play the car competition if you want to, and all the different rules for it. Uh, and apparently it's just what, what Scions do, but like, I'm mostly Scottish, so I go to games all the time where, you know, large dudes and kilts throw logs. So really, I can't get like, that weird about it. Because <laughs> like, it's a natural evolution of that, right? Like, like as far as I know, the Scots have like two sports. We have throwing shit and dancing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now and golf, I guess. But right, okay, for golf. But you know, but like all the all the ancient stuff is literally throwing shit or dancing for the most part. Um, uh, there's also diving into vats of gold coins. That is a specific Scottish duck thing. <laughs> I, I don't think that's a that's a that's a Scots tradition. It's um, born of rich Scottish history. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Sure it is. Sure it is. <laughs> Burke's gonna listen to this and come hit me. Oh um, yeah, he's gonna be so mad. <laughs> something about Robert the Bruce or Rob Roy um, diving into a, a vat a vat a vault of uh, stolen doubloons. There you go. That's the story. <laughs> okay, sure. We're just making making a it up. Vat or vault. Either one. Oh my gosh, y'all. Um, <laughs> either way, I did grow up at like Highland Games, so you know, the throwing shit is fun. And yeah, there's a there, there's a whole kind of Olympics underground style competition that apparently scions compete in, where they throw cars and they get various points for a style or having them do certain things. But also, they like soup up some cars and do other things with cars. It's it's, it's not just throwing. They right. they they do other automobile related things, um, but throwing's the most fun. So Absolutely. that's obviously that's what I like zeroed in on. But I mean, I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier: is that, that these little kind of smaller things, you know, we're never going to do a hundred thousand words on vehicles in vampires or you know throwing cars. We're not. Um, You've been no, we're not. We're this whole time just stringing yes, me along. Uh, I keep sending uh, you pitches about how I want to do a hundred thousand words on Thursday. Dixie, we are not doing vampires the role playing game. I'm I sorry. want to do vampires the role playing <laughs> game. I really need to do that. Also, I need someone to come forward and tell me that they played the main human character in that because no <laughs> you one still, knows. You still haven't found that out yet. No one knows. No one knows. <laughs> no one knows. Uh, no one knows who that guy is, as far as I can tell on the internet. Uh, I I like the Gary Oldman theory. Uh, just because it's funny, <laughs> but no one knows. No one knows who that guy is. Um, Sorry, I, I, uh, I have feelings about vampires. Clearly, you do. Uh, uh, I, I tap into a vein here. I mean, you have feelings about your strange transforming vehicle things. I have feelings about mine. I, I have, I have no idea what you're talking about. I have no interest in robots whatsoever. What about if they're in disguise? Oh, there you go. That's completely different. <laughs> They're disguised robots. Then, then, then we're talking more than meets the eye. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it's the creative restrictions of like we only have a small amount of word count. It's PDF only, and we have to use uh, very specific art choices. Um, can lead to some really interesting stuff, and that's one of the reasons why I think the Tasty Bit program is a lot of fun. And other people seem to gravitate too. I mean, we, you know, like Matthew said, is sometimes you 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 write in a space, and it's like, oh, this actually is pretty neat. You know, um, uh, sometimes it's like, oh, here's a chance to explore some characters that we've never explored before. Uh, I mean, that's how it started is because we had this piece of art for Annie X, and it's like we never did Annie X for Second Edition of Scion. We should we should do that, and then that was fun for me to kind of just whip that up and and write up a different take on the kind of punk rock 
uh, Scion, which I thought was very, very cool. So um, definitely check out the Pasty Burger. Check out all of the recent releases uh, we've had in the past few months. Uh, I think it covers about the last four-ish months. But wait, there's more. Is there? Legend Lore. Oh, yes, right. Legend Lore came out right, you're, right you're going as off the we old were list, getting ready to record you? this. Yes, I am. <laughs> I mean, who knows what we released on the week of this podcast goes out, but I can confirm uh, that Legend Lore, a fantastic book, which if you were to ignore everything we said for the last 55 minutes, listen to this, uh, because I know a lot of people have... Uh, a lot of people online have now spoken about Legend Lore and what a great game it is, but it's a game that is also beautiful, uh, and I think we should call that out when we when we see it. Uh, so many of our books have fantastic art in, and Legend Lore is a book that when you open up, it is just fantastic it's glowing it it is such an immersive world the realm uh, that you play in and as no doubt listeners will already know you can play characters you can play yourselves having passed through a portal and entered the realm you can play any standard humans uh anyone from our world any our earth who has entered the realm or you can play natives to the realm and deal with their myriad of struggles and adventures that are there it's a game that is really progressive i'll say that it handles subjects yeah. uh, that we were speaking about in our last episode in such an intelligent and and playable way uh, but what's more it provides a really rich setting and nuanced magic system as well it's a dnd setting but there's new t- tricks and uh, treats for people who love to play spellcasters and so yeah uh, it's a game i can't extol the virtues of enough because i think steffi devan the developer did a brilliant job all of the writers did a wonderful job too but most of all uh, i pay special credit to the artists on legend law if you pick up a copy you will know what i'm talking about as soon as you open it. it is just a very vibrant product no absolutely um and and thank you for catching that because um that is a really good point uh, it, it, it's such a cool concept too i mean it's based off of a comic book from a couple of decades ago, but the premise it, is evergreen of the idea of what happens if you were in a fantasy I world. Mean, it is it is an isekai game if like you're interested in that genre of manga mm-hmm. or anime. Yep. Um, in that it is a you know you can just play yourself, drop into a fantasy world, and then the fantasy world changes you. If you go back many episodes, listen to us talking to Steffi Devon about it or Devan. I always say that wrong. When we were first doing Legend mm-hmm. Lore. I think that she assigned all of us characters, and I think that I got to be a harefoot, which, you know, thanks, Steffi. But, <laughs> but yeah, they are essentially the, like hobbits of the of, of, of the game. And um, kind of riffing off of that, it's not quite Isagai, but it's, it's in the same realm. Um, we are going to be having a, actually, I think, knock on wood, the Kickstarter will be live for Anima uh, as time this goes up. Um depends on if kickstarter is as nice to us they've been good so far we'll see how it goes um but i was kind of like nervous about that but if all goes well by now kick the the anime kickstarter should be live um and uh, that's something that i know we've all been excited about uh because it's it's a brand new trinity setting and that's exciting and scary at the same time um, but it is our cyberpunk slash lit RPG homage. Uh, so uh, if, if you want to play a cyberpunk in kind of a almost utopic city, uh, there's that fine. But also there's a full virtual reality MMO inside of it uh, and a complete mechanical system for portraying that MMO. So you actually can play a video game inside of a tabletop role-playing game. It's 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 wild and it's a load of fun. Um, I, 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 if you like this kind of stuff, Pick up Legend Lore and then swing by and check out the Trinity Anima Kickstarter. It's two different takes on the same idea, um, but I think both of them stands in their own right. And I think they're both very, very cool. Um, now, I have to add something on here mm-hmm. because we actually missed two other releases. <laughs> we well, we did. We, I, I was about to also re- recap and like, yeah, we did miss two World Art releases: um, The Rich Bastard's Guide to Magic uh-huh. and uh, Ghost Hunters. Yes. Um, and so real quick, because we're getting low on time, but, um, uh, the rich bastards guide is 
magic is kind of what you expect from a title. Uh, the title is actually very evocative. It talks about um, money in mage society um, and what it's like to have uh, magic and wealth at your fingertips. What it's like to be in the one percent of majors. Right. Yeah. You're a mover and shaker. You have power. You have money. You have wealth. You have prestige. How does that impact, reflect, and involve your magic? Um, and also uh, just high ticket items like you know the the, the cream of the crop and, and instruments and talismans, devices, that kind of stuff. So if you want to play, you know, um, the one percent of mages, definitely that is the book to get. Uh, and then Ghost Hunters is kind of sort of a, ma a wraith supplement um it's actually kind of a, a more general world darkness supplement for really any of the 20th anniversary lines but it does talk about the people who um hunt down ghosts uh they're we're not a big corporation you know uh or anything like that they're just the kinds of people who they have a youtube channel or a television show or a podcast and they just try to track down different kinds of ghosts and so there's a whole bunch of cases and uh adventures of of different ghost sightings and things you can investigate and what that might look like and how to make those moral characters that just can have a little bit of an understanding of the ghost world but not where near the level of a wraith would have um so yeah those are both uh really cool world darkness uh books that have also come out in the past several months so uh, i thank my co-hosts for catching the fact that i was using the the outdated list um, <laughs> yeah so for for full transparency because i actually cut out the uh part where we kind of alluded to it in the first episode that we were doing the last two episodes have just been tangents they've been tangents that went really well but we've been trying yes. to record this for three weeks now <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Um, uh, I think it's worth kind of a, a peek behind the screen in the sense that um, this is, we never made this podcast to be a marketing vehicle, right? It was never going to be the, we're going to talk about our products and, you know, tell you about how amazing they are. We do like that because we like talking about our work because we we're very proud of our work. Um, but it's always been just the three of us hanging out. And, and sometimes uh, the tangents are, are part of the fun. And we've discovered just, in the past two weeks that the side conversation ended up being much more of an interesting topic. And so we kind of pivoted and, and made those episodes, the center or those topics center of those episodes. Um, so we do stuff like this. You know, we, we do want to occasionally go back and like, let's do a deep dive. Let's do the roundups, you know, um, that kind of stuff. We, we will still keep doing those, but sometimes in the course of conversation, it's like, actually this is becoming more of something else. So it's kind of just, quickly take advantage of that and, and, and talk about that and record that. Um, that goes back to uh, uh, several episodes ago, we asked, you know, do you guys like to hear about the tangents? And we, we joked about the having an episode that's entirely a tangent. And we've done now several of those inadvertently. Um, but because we are also fans, we're, 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 we like playing role-playing games, talking about role-playing games. Um, it's very easy for us to take these seemingly off-topic concepts and bring them back to tabletop role-playing games without kind of forcing them. And that's what happened for the past couple of weeks. So that's we decided rather, we'd rather put those up because those are more interesting topics and because those releases are still released. They're still available, so we'll get back to them, and that's what we've done now. It's true. We did it. It's true. So we've done it. We, we, we've done the thing. We, we have rounded up the releases. Uh, we've talked about the Kickstarter. And now, sadly, we have to put them all to death. Good lord. Wow. This got bleak. That's, that's why we rounded them up, right? Dearly bleak? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if uh, there's anything else that uh, either of you want to cover, or are we pretty much done with this? Nah. We're good? What if you just turned it off right All now? Right. No more. Just, <laughs> it's just done. Um, uh, uh, Matthew, if people wanted to round up all of your books and put them to death, where would they find you online? I'm not telling. Uh, <laughs> though. Not you, just your books. Just to be clear. That a lot of books, I, I, yeah, either way. Um, <laughs> no, uh, luckily, they could find me online, but they would be able to find me on person because I'm in person. I'm always moving around with my bookshelves behind me. I live on a movable set. Uh, so <laughs> yes, um, you, they can find me on matthewdawkins.com on Twitter at DawkinsMP and on the Onyx Path Discord as Matthew Dawkins. How about you, Dixie? Uh, you can find me and put books to death if you really want to, I guess, at Dixie Cyanide on most social media and on the Onyx Path Discord, etc. Uh, and I 
give away or sell my books pretty frequently, so that wouldn't be much of a challenge to destroy the rest of the books I have. Um, but if you did want to do that for some reason, yeah, you can find me at uh, pugsteady.com. That's P-U-G-S-T-E-A-D-Y. You can find me on Twitter at Pugsteady. And like the rest of my colleagues here, you can find us on the Onyx Path Discord. Uh, you can also find us on theonyxpath.com. You can find us on Drive Through RPG. Uh, if you liked any of the uh, products we talked about today, please uh, do us a favor and rate and review them. Those do really, really help. Um, we really appreciate uh, all of your efforts, uh, whether it's just leaving a five-star rating or leaving a couple quick notes about what you liked about the book. Those will always really, really help. So check those out. Uh, check out the Kickstarter. And as always, many worlds, one pathcast. Cast.